Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. Hello, I'm really very excited today because I have opposite me a really good friend and campaigner and fellow spokesperson at Diane Danzebrink, who I, we were just working out actually, I haven't actually known for as long as I think <laughs> I've known. And so we've had a really good meeting here in my clinic today and I've hooked her upstairs in a hot summer afternoon to um, ask her to share this podcast with me. So hi, Diane. Hello. Thank you for coming. <laughs> so we were going to talk about how we met, but we can't, we didn't decide or realise how we met but we have met over some menopause work. We have. And we have a pretty much shared vested interest in improving menopause care. I was going to say in the UK, but it's actually I worldwide. I think it's worldwide, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And we both um, realised that we've started something that we can't stop. Is it's that right? a bit like a train, isn't um, it? And we don't quite know where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> so um, rather than talking about all our uncertainties, I thought we would start from the beginning um, because... Uh, you haven't always been interested in menopause. If I'd met you 10 years ago, you wouldn't tell me that's what you'd be doing, really, would you? I don't no, imagine. No, absolutely not. Lovely, so tell me a bit about before you started with menopause work, what you were doing. And- okay, so I trained as a counsellor a long, long time ago, and I finished my training and thought, well, I wasn't impressed with that. So I don't really think I can practice that. So I'm going to go off and do something else. So I trained to be a laser therapy practitioner. Really? Yes. know that. And I mainly treated animals, horses and dogs, some people. Okay. And then in 2012, I was really quite poorly. I'd Mm. been unwell for a few months, Mm. just sort of undiagnosed unwell. I'd lost quite a lot of weight, uh, feeling really lethargic, Mm. really tired, et cetera, et cetera. And on one particular occasion, went to my doctor and she took my blood Mm. and she rang me the next day and she said, I need you to come back because your CA125, which is essentially a marker for ovarian mm. cancer but it also it also marks out lots of other yes. things yes um, which are not nearly as scary absolutely yeah. um but she was particularly concerned about mm. that because my mother had had ovarian cancer 25 so years so then before. you got into panic mode so then I thought ooh, maybe that's why I'm not well mm. went to see her she did some more blood tests sent me off to the hospital where I had all sorts of scans, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Ended up sitting in front of a gynecologist who said, you have lots of cysts on your ovaries and it looks like you've got a huge fibroid and we've done your bloods again and your CA125 is raised again. Anyway, long story short, um, I ended up having a total hysterectomy Mm -hmm. and bilateral oophorectomy. So womb, both ovaries and my cervix removed. Um, And it was because they thought that I had ovarian cancer. Um, As it turned out, I had stage four endometriosis. Mm. Um, I had adenomyosis. (laughs) I had a huge fibroid. And I did have complex cysts on both my ovaries. But in the words of the gynecologist, she said, 
I think we've done the operation just in time. Mm. So that was hugely fortunate. Obviously put me into a surgical menopause. Did you know anything about menopause at this stage? <laughs> the only thing I knew about menopause was that my mum had gone into menopause when she had her hysterectomy for her ovarian cancer. But I also knew that she had been given hormone replacement therapy, which was derived from horses. Yes, (laughs) And so I'm a horse lover and was a horse owner. And so 25 years previously, I had thought, well, I'm never having that. No, because that's right. So horse... uh, um, HRT was made from pregnant horses urine wasn't it and in some types still are but the majority aren't yeah. which we'll talk about in a bit so so HRT wasn't on your radar mm-hmm. but you didn't really know what the menopause meant no I thought it was hot flushes yeah which is what a lot of people yeah. do which it can be obviously so had everything taken out which was good news nothing too serious mm-hmm. so then you thought hey I'll carry on with my life yeah yeah so I was told that I would not get to see a gynecologist for a follow-up appointment because <laughs> everything had gone well <laughs> yes yeah. apart from the fact that my bladder had been nicked so I ended up with um, a catheter for a couple of weeks but that was nothing compared to the operation and I was told to go and see my doctor in six weeks time mm-hmm. so during that six weeks I made some inquiries did some research And thought, okay, well, I probably should sort of support my system in some way, shape or form. Um, I will go and see a nutritionist in London. Um, Did that. Um, It was quite expensive. And I ended up with seven different pots of things to take. Um, And I don't I don't like swallowing tablets. So that was quite tricky. And I did see my GP um, who I sat in. and And to be fair, my GP had been absolutely amazing getting me through quite a scary time Mm. coming up to the operation. But I just sat down in front of her and she said, okay, so HRT. And I said, no, thank you. And that was where the conversation ended. So in hindsight, I think she thought Mm. that I would have had the information from the hospital, from a nurse, from a gynecologist, whatever. Mm. Um, I didn't. Nobody ever spoke to me um, about the effects. This was before the NICE guidance. It was. This was in 2012. So the NICE menopause guidance, the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence guidelines, came out in November 2015. Mm. And they clearly say that women should be given information before having their ovaries removed. Sadly, we know that still doesn't happen. Mm. But before this time... it was hit and miss. So yeah. um, you were one of the unfortunate ones. Hadn't got in any information. GP didn't maybe realise that. So yeah. So and I think she, I think she thought that I had the information, mm. and I was making an informed choice yes. when in fact I it hadn't had the informed. information. Yes. So that was about six weeks after the op. And to be honest, I felt okay. Mm. I thought, oh, these herbs, vitamins, and minerals must be doing the right yes. thing. Um, And things over the next few weeks, things sort of spiralled out of control. So I started to become really anxious. My sleep was horribly broken. I was feeling really heavy, physically heavy and lethargic. Um, I started to have these sort of feelings of doom and gloom and dread. Couldn't really focus on my work. Um, Was becoming very introverted, uh, very withdrawn. Had started to have panic attacks during the night. 
would wake my poor husband who was trying to function normally um, until it got to the point where this probably took, I don't know, probably four or five months, um, but until it got to the point eventually where I just felt so useless and hopeless and worthless um, that I plucked up the last couple of shreds of my courage and rang the doctor's surgery and said to the receptionist, is there some sort of menopause support service? Mm. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, my dear, there's nothing like that. And I was just at the end of my rope and just collapsed into the sofa sobbing um, and said to my husband, I just can't, I can't believe that there's nothing with 51% of the population, everyone's going to go through it and there's nothing out there. And I said, if I ever feel well again, I will make damn sure that I do something to change it. Um, things went pretty much downhill from there. And it, essentially, you've heard this story before, yeah. but it got to the point where one day I got my four little Jack Russells. And I'm not still not sure how I did it because my husband had imported my mum mm. to watch me like a hawk because he was so scared of what I was going to do. But I managed to get the four dogs, put them in my car, and I hadn't driven for weeks because I was too scared to drive. Got in my car, drove, wasn't really sure where I was going, didn't get too far, but not too far from where I lived was a dual carriageway. Mm. And I got onto the dual carriageway and I was, you know, going along and just decided that I was too much trouble for everybody Life, if it was going to be like this, wasn't worth living anymore and came within a hair's breadth of putting my car in front of a lorry. And what stopped me was Henry, the Jack Russell, who always gets a name check. He barked and it broke my train of thought. And I, I mean, it was a stark realisation of what I'd nearly done. Um, And I gripped the wheel even tighter and because I was shaking and drove the short distance home and told my husband what I had nearly done. And he got in touch with the doctor's practice and said, you've got to see her today. We're absolutely desperate. And I went back and bless her. The doctor saw me at eight o'clock that evening and I sat down in front of her blubbing and And she said, okay. And I said, before you say it, I'm not taking that horse wee and I don't want antidepressants. I'm so terrified of being on antidepressants for the rest of my life. And she said, no, no, it's fine. You have a choice. There are different types of HRT. There's a plant-derived type of HRT. But And in that moment, it was just this enormous relief. Something could be done. That there might be some hope for me. Um, but that was the first time yes. in that journey that anybody had ever said that to me. Yeah. And I'd come really close mm. to taking my own life. Mm. So in that moment, it was huge relief. And she gave me a prescription and I put the HRT patch on that night. And I would say probably within 48 hours I noticed a difference and it was as though I had been living under this really big black cloud wading through waist-deep treacle every day Mm. trying to survive and all of a sudden the sun came out 
that was how it's it felt. Amazing, isn't it? Um, and that really, I was angry then because I thought, okay, I've been really fortunate. You know, I have, I've had the most amazing support from my husband, who I really have put through the mill. My family have been amazing. What if you don't have that? Yeah. What if nobody ever gives you that information? And then it's so it started to make me research how many women were struggling and suffering, etc. And I just found this underground movement of women and actually a few men yes. saying things like, please help, I think my yeah. wife's going mad. Yeah. And I thought, oh, hang on a minute, this just can't be right. And then I started to research into the different types of HRT and the sort of information that was out there. So this was sort of early 2013, the sort of information that was out there for women. And I thought, gosh, actually, there isn't a lot. There's not a lot of factual evidence-based stuff. And I was literally learning every day. And I thought, okay, I need to do something about this. I was, because of the experiences I'd had, I decided to go and put myself into therapy for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, So I saw a therapist myself for a while. I really liked the way she worked. It was very proactive. She didn't just sit there and nod at me and say, "Uh uh-huh, a lot. She was in there with me and it was quite goal-orientated, you know, sort of um, what did I want to do with the rest of my life? How had this experience informed how I wanted to live the rest of my life, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I loved it, really enjoyed it. And I thought, this is what my training should have been like 20-something years ago. So I thought, okay, I know what I want to do. So I did did another psychotherapy diploma. And I also found out that as a therapist, I could do some professional nurse training in menopause, even though I'm not a nurse by training. I could do Mm. some professional nurse training. So I applied to do it. I was accepted to do it. Um, Absolutely loved it. Really enjoyed it because I'd read so much. It was just really confirming lots of things that I'd read. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to set something up that means that women have got a port of call. They've got somewhere to come. So if anybody's feeling as desperate as me, um, so I set up something called Menopause Support. There's now also something called the Menopause Counselor, which is me. And I just started to get this most enormous, you will know this, this enormous daily feed of emails and messages and the amount of people who were saying, can I please talk to you? Can I book an appointment to speak to you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And to be honest, I don't think I had any clue of the scale of the problem. No, I think... You're totally, I mean, I had no idea at all as a GP. I only had before come into contact with my own patients, which I hopefully dealt with well. Mm. And then suddenly I, obviously, as you know, opened a clinic, um, which is private because I can't get a job as an NHS menopause specialist. There's no funding mm. in the NHS for one. Um, people coming from all over the country. And then social media is fantastic. Mm. But it's also quite scary because women, aren't they, are from, it's all over the world, are telling us time and time again how much they're struggling. And your story, I I didn't cry this time because I've heard it a lot of times, but it it does move me to tears. And it moves me to tears thinking that you felt like that, but it 
moves me more to tears because I think of all the women worldwide who are suffering. Yeah. Um, obviously, your story is extreme, but we do know that the suicide rate peaks in the early 50s, yeah. which is the same age as the, the menopause. Mm. And um, we do know that the psychological impact of the menopause is huge because of the hormones, estrogen and testosterone that can work in a female's brain. Mm. And without them, it's a real struggle for a lot of women. Um, we know that a lot of women are given antidepressants inappropriately. There's not good evidence that they work to improve low mood. So I feel really surprised actually how many women are needlessly suffering Um, and I think that's what drives us both because there are treatment options Mm. and often replacing those hormones like you say because it's a very simple replacement Mm -hmm. you know you found when your body had those hormones it was quite quick and you had symptoms for months yeah absolutely and when you think about it now you know sort of I mean, obviously, we know now that if a woman's under 45, she absolutely must have replacement yes. hormones. Um, but when you think about it, essentially, all we're doing is we're replacing something that would be there naturally. Yes. So by removing a woman's ovaries, yes. where the majority of her estrogen and testosterone are produced, you know, it's just, for me, it's a complete no-brainer. Yeah. I don't get it. No. It's so simple. And I think that's the thing that frustrates me the most is mm. having learned as much as I've learned. Obviously, you and I have linked up, mm. um, shared lots of anecdotal stories yeah. of you with patients, me with clients. Mm. Um, you know, the amount of women that I see who tell me, so when I see them initially, I'll ask them what sort of medications they're taking. Six or seven out of 10 will tell me they're on some sort of antidepressant. And I think the thing is, there is such a poor understanding Mm. of the psychological and emotional impact of menopause. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't understand the physical that well, but as far as the psychological and emotional are concerned... It's pretty hopeless at the moment. Yeah, and I think certainly, um, I'm sure many of you have heard before, I didn't have any formal menopause training as an undergraduate or as a postgraduate. And if anything that you do get taught, it's about hot flushes, Mm. the vasomotor symptoms, Mm. night sweats. Um, But actually those are annoying, but they're not the ones that affect people the most. And so actually psychiatrists aren't taught about the menopause and other physicians aren't taught. And it is so important that we know so we can understand and diagnose properly, but also that we can recognise the symptoms in ourselves and our families um, as well. Because for your partner, it's very scary. He probably felt completely hopeless. Um, And even we, I see partners all the time, and they say, well, this isn't the person I married. Mm. She's changed. And yes, we all change with time, but... This swimming in treacle experience yeah. that you quite eloquently described is we see all the time, and mm. it's you feel almost like a failure when you're having these symptoms because you Absolutely. so want to feel better, yeah. but something's almost like you're drugged, you can't do it. I think it's also that you know, sort of that basic human need to be in control, yes. and you feel completely out of control. Totally but because you don't understand why you feel. So, you know, kind of in therapy, very often when you're working with people, if you can give them an understanding of why maybe something that's happened to them historically has made them feel that way, there's sort of a light bulb of, 
well, it isn't instantly better, but now I understand it. With this, because I didn't understand why it was happening, that just compounds the anxiety. So it just makes you feel more useless. Which is really scary. Yeah, absolutely. So your experience has led you um, to do amazing things. And I often try and say to my children, if something bad happens, you've got to see there's a reason why it's happened. Or there's some goodness that might come out of it. You might not see that at the time. But actually, there has been a lot of goodness that's come out of your work. Mm. And it's phenomenal, the work that you've done, because... You do not stop, which is so important. And we have that in common. Oh, yeah, right, okay. (laughs) So you set up your hashtag Make Menopause Matter campaign, which any woman and man, any body breathing can sign on to, can't they? Yes, anybody. And you do that through your website. Yeah, that's menopausesupport.co.uk. And it's very easy, very quick to do. It's on the first page. It's the first thing that you see that you're prompted to do. Please do that because what the reason that you're doing it, there's three reasons, aren't there? Yeah, really? so there's three aims. Yeah. So the first one is to have mandatory education for GPs. Yes. Uh, the second one is to have guidance for every workplace. About the menopause. Yes, so that we stop losing women from their roles within the workforce, but so that they also get support in the workplace. Yeah, so it's acknowledged. Um, and actually, you haven't got a third aim anymore. I haven't. Because? <laughs> because. <laughs> Yay. So Louise and I were, we were at a conference on Thursday. Fortunately, we were sitting next to each other. I got a notification from our friend and supporter, um, the MP Rachel McLean, who has been instrumental Mm. in helping us to achieve the third aim and the third aim was Mm. um, and it's so nice to say in the past tense the third aim was to introduce menopause into the secondary school curriculum which on Thursday we saw a letter Mm -hmm. from the minister to say that that is going to happen so phenomenal we were very happy weren't we yes so now you only have (laughs) Two ways. So now we have two ways. Yes. Yes. So let's just talk very quickly about this because I think this is so key. It's had a few mixed reviews. My my one of my children said, "Oh, but boys don't need to know, surely." Mm. Actually, Sophie, mm. every boy has a mother or an auntie or a granny or a sister who's going to grow up, or they might have a girlfriend who's going to grow up. So that's not reason. And it's part of going to be part of the PHS, isn't it? So it's not like a biology lesson. No, it's just going to be just a module isn't it totally and we're hoping that we can be involved with some of the content but it's it's not going to take long no even if women or even if children are told it can affect their mood it can affect how people function it can make your mother irritable yeah actually that's quite good yeah you know as I said yesterday Mm. you know the what young people need to know going forward is what is it? Yes. When does it happen? Yeah. What are the symptoms? Mm. How might it affect the woman that it's happening to? Yeah. How might it affect me? Yes. What are the options for management? Yes. And how can I support? Totally. You know, as I said yesterday, you and I could teach that in an hour. Mm. Definitely. And I think the other thing that we do need to think about is the potential health risks of the menopause. So Absolutely. It's a natural process that all women go through if they live long enough. But women who go through the menopause without adequate treatment, um, without replacing their hormones, have an increased risk of heart disease, yeah. osteoporosis, 
diabetes, arthritis, and even dementia yeah. and early death. So yeah. it's, it's real. It's here. We need to really think and be educated about the menopause. Yeah, and I think the other thing is a little bit more understanding means that you might be more supportive of your partner, mother, but also your colleagues going forward. And I just think a little bit more understanding leads to us all having a little bit more empathy and compassion, and that's a good thing. Which is really good. With all them um, going on to the hashtag Make Menopause Matter on your website, Mm -hmm. how's that going to make a difference? How many signatures do you need? Oh, okay. So currently, I think we have about 27,500. As I've said to you before, it's not going away. We're never going to stop. Obviously, the more signatures we have, the better. Um, We've achieved one aim in nine months with 27,000. So for me, I'm kind of thinking, do you know what? 18 months, we might achieve Mm -hmm. two. Two and a half, three years, we might have them all. But obviously, the more people that sign and share, then the more weight we have behind it. So, you know, sort of, I would like to see 100,000 absolute minimum. And because no why we can't get that. Oh, my goodness. What, what are there, 66 million people in the country? Yes. Half of us are women. Yes. So, and hopefully the men would support too. So, yeah, the plan is it's an ongoing project. <laughs> but none of this is going away. No. And it, it's trying to think about the bigger picture, isn't it? We yeah. are sitting here in my clinic, which is lovely, but actually there's women suffering that can't access the right care. Yeah. Uh, women who are um, socially deprived, women from ethnic minorities, yeah. women who who are in different countries. Yeah. And it's really important, isn't it, that women get the right information. And I think one of the things that we struggle with when we talk to women is that women are given misinformation. Yes. They're given the wrong information that's out of date. Yes. Um, or it's just basically wrong yeah um we've got really good guidelines haven't we that are national international guidelines um that are accessible through certainly my website that's available mm-hmm. through you yeah it's it, so it's very important that wherever you are you find out the right information yeah and, and I think certainly obviously I'm very pro HRT for the right woman but I'm more pro having the right information because actually to know that you haven't got depression or you haven't got dementia or you haven't got a brain tumor when your headaches are worse or it can be quite a relief absolutely to know that you're not going mad yeah just to destigmatize the menopause is really important because it's still a taboo yeah people are scared to admit that they're menopausal Mm -hmm. and we were saying this morning whether we should call it female hormone deficiency which I think is easier almost than menopause. Well, it's actually more descriptive of what's going on as well, isn't it? totally. So we need to change our mindset, really, because we're living a lot longer than we used to in the Victorian times, which is great. But we want to have a really healthy um, life. And, you know, it's not just about balancing your hormones. It's looking at your sleep, your mental health, your diet, your exercise. All those things are really key. But if one of them isn't right, as you know, it can quickly change, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as we've said many times, the thing is, if you're feeling awful, Mm. the last thing you want to do 
is go and exercise totally. or eat well yes. or shop to eat well. Yes. You'll eat whatever's in the cupboard mm. and you probably want to curl up on the sofa. Yeah. So I think it is, it's about having, as we said before, factual, evidence-based information yeah. upon which you can make an informed decision. Yeah, which is so key to help so many women. So just in the last couple of minutes, mm-hmm. I would be really grateful if you could... <laughs> Just summarise three sort of take-home messages for women to think and reflect, maybe just a bit from your experience, yep. um, personal experience, but your experience yep. with you helping so many, probably millions of women across the world. So mm. if you wouldn't mind, just summarise three points. So I think the first tip that I would give anybody is if you are in your early 40s, mm-hmm. educate yourself. Yeah. Just find out, maybe have a look at the nice guidelines, mm. maybe come to menopause support, maybe have a look at menopause doctor website. Mm. Just have a general idea of what menopause is yeah. and what it might bring. I think that's really useful mm. um, just to sort of have a bit of an understanding because knowledge is power. Um, so that can allow you to know what's happening. Mm. I think also um, menopause doesn't have to be doesn't have to be negative no you know it should be it absolutely should it should be a time when you're maybe taking some time to reflect on what life's been like before Mm. maybe redefine your goals for the future Mm. you know sort of I think that's really important that it doesn't have to be like that and I think the third thing I would say is if you're somebody who's listening to this and you're thinking Actually, I think all the things they've spoken about, I think that might be me. I would say there actually there is support out there. Um, You know, sort of we both have, you know, sort of websites and things that you can come to, but they're not they're not just ours. There are lots of other things out there. But I run something called the Menopause Support Network, which is a Facebook group that I'll be really honest, I never wanted to start because I haven't really got the time. But it became clear that we needed somewhere where people could get factual information. So I started it in, I think it was about 18 months ago. It's now got over 8,000 women. That gives you a size of the problem. So come and join and, you know, sort of talk to women who have gone through this They've got the right support and then they've made the right decisions and they're feeling so much better. But now they're informed women who are staying on to help others. So I think, you know, they would be the things that I would say. But I think the biggest tip is just, you know, arm yourself with knowledge, Mm. know what's coming, and then you can work out how you'd like to manage it. Perfect. Thank you ever so much. You are welcome. My pleasure. Brilliant. So I look forward to the next time I see you when there might just be one aim on your hashtag. (laughs) We've got more campaigning to do yet. Thank you very much. My pleasure. For more information about the menopause, please visit our website www.menopausedoctor.co.uk.